Love Talk Radio. You are listening to the August 1st, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Her philosophy is the only philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm Amy Peikoff, and joining me as usual, but at a new time, in the studio with me here, is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. Hello, Bosch. Hello. How are you, uh, how you doing? Good. Time-wise, you uh, oh, yeah. energy-wise, you doing okay? Definitely fine. I nearly dropped my laptop again, which is something that I did last week twice. Maybe you have a belt around your. I don't know. We got we got to figure out the ergonomics in this place because uh, it gets a little bit a little bit dicey. Anyway, thank you everyone who went over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com last week and answered the poll. You know, we got. Three times as many responses, actually over three times as many responses to the poll this time than last time when we conducted a poll about when to do the show. So that means a few things. Either people are really invested in when we do the show, or we have more listeners. Yay! (laughs) What do you think? Good? Yeah. Uh, Friday went out, so here we are. We're on Friday. And here's my thinking, and, and as many people know, we've been teasing and teasing and teasing about the project. The project. <laughs> the project. There's a project coming, and we did get news this week. We did, we got news actually on Bosch's birthday, yeah. which was yesterday, that the project is ever, ever closer. We are asymptotically reaching the beginning of the project. <laughs> um, but no, we actually are going to be starting it soon. And so... Part of my concern is that we need daytime hours to work on that. Yep. And um, I would love to do more than one evening a week. I know that one person at least wanted to answer all of the above for the different nights that I had offered at the poll at don'tletitgo.com. But really we have to restrain ourselves. I w- we'll have to do it one day a week, probably for the next year, and then I could see expanding the number of evenings that we do it. So this is really kind of what we're going to have to be doing. And when we do announce the project, which I'm thinking it still could be a couple months before we can actually announce it. I don't know, but it's But it's moving. But but when we do... It was the biggest update we've gotten in a while. That's right. When we do, you'll understand. We've been waiting on this project for years. So... It's going to be very exciting when it finally happens. But so that that's kind of our thing. Now, the interesting uh depressing thing that happened was as you know, I was doing all the ads, right? I was doing a 6-minute segment at the beginning to allow for news and then there was a segment in the middle to allow for ads and I was 
running around trying to do bumpers, and I was getting decent at it. But I bugged the listeners, but we, you know, we were doing it because on this live on this show that they have on the weekend that they, they aired it, and they needed space. For My that. show was being rebroadcast on the weekend, and they wanted to do ad insertions, and I was going to be paid for this, and I have tried and tried to contact the person who ran the network and never got a response after many times, never got any, you know, kind of figures on how it was doing, never saw any money. (laughs) And after a while, I just thought, okay, this is crazy. Every single week I'm doing this. I'm spending not just the time trying to figure out the bumpers, but I'm also editing the show afterwards. So long story short, we are back to just nonstop talking about whatever we can, getting through as many stories as we can without breaks, me and Bosch only, and we're going to do an hour and a half and see how that goes. And I think it's going to work okay. You hear something? Fly. Oh, you hear a fly. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll take care of him. <laughs> we have a visitor. There's a, a, a new um, individual in the chat room. Who Arthur. Arthur, welcome. He goes by Pop Art. Welcome, Arthur. Oh, yeah, Pop Art. We know you. Yep. Yay. Welcome, Arthur. Glad to have you here. Excellent. And uh, Nielsen says, this project better have a paycheck for all the computers Amy keeps dropping. (laughs) I have not damaged a computer. And it's funny because I think I heard this also from Stephen Shube of the Fenwicks, that he dropped an Apple laptop before. And he, I think he wanted to do an ad for them. It was, I don't know if it was him or another musician. It could have been another musician. But whoever it was said that they had dropped Apple laptops and that they wanted to do an ad for Apple saying basically that they had dropped the laptops and treated them horribly and they were still operating. I, My old iPad, you know, dropped it, dented the corner. I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting and it's only it kind of slid down and dropped onto the carpet. So, it, you know, it's not like it. But still, I'm impressed. No, it's completely fine. It's, it's totally good. So, no, it's uh, we're not going to be having any big laptop, laptop expenses, hopefully. That would be nice. In any event, let's get started here. I talked about the poll already, so that was good. If you go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, you'll see all of the program notes. The only ad that we do have is just me talking about Audible. And here on Blog Talk Radio, Audible is a sponsor of this show. If you would like to get a free trial at the Audible, which is the audiobook seller, go to audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peacock, and you can get a free trial and help out the show. The cool thing about Audible, too, again, is that you can sync your listening on Audible with your reading on Kindle through Amazon. It's called WhisperSync, and that's really amazing. For those of us, I've got a commute back and forth to downtown Los Angeles, and that commute is brutal. It is awesome to listen to audiobooks during that time. So if you're like me and you like to do that, but then maybe also pick up with an actual physical book and know exactly where you left off, Audible is a good place to do that. So enough of that. Let's talk about Israel and Hamas, Bosh. You've been tweeting a lot about it, right? If you follow Bosh over on Twitter... You will get Let me a read lot. them all right now. No, don't read them oh. all. <laughs> so the latest is that there was a ceasefire that I guess was ceasefire with forced terrorists. on Israel. Ceasefire with terrorists. Why did Israel agree to this? I guess because Stupid. they are... Well, I think they did just pass some yeah, additional aid there's to a thing replenish in Islam the Iron Dome supplies, right? There's a thing right? called the Hudna in, in Islam over a thousand years. 
they had BS ceasefires to uh, gather themselves together, you know, to strengthen themselves and t- attack again. It's not for any other reason. That's what they've always done. And they break the ceasefire within, what, minutes? I think there, the, is, no, there was one no that Carrie carry, yeah, no carry, carry had, had announced one, and then I think within four minutes or something, yeah. Hamas broke it. Because and why? then this the one, this one, I think Hamas la- uh, lasted a whole 90 minutes or something. Is that what happened? But now they've captured an Israeli soldier. And again, you know, Israeli soldiers, of course, I completely 100% support them. The thing that makes you be even more sympathetic with them and just feel bad for them is that in Israel they are drafted. There is a draft, a compulsory service in, in Israel, and that doesn't exist here in the United States. I still think that even if it was an all-voluntary military, that Israel should not be putting their soldiers in harm's way the way that they are. And they're doing it, why? For altruistic reasons. Absolutely. You know, There's so many conservatives who their whole thing is to praise Israel for its, in essence, altruistic yeah, for, war for, policy. Yeah, for self-destructive war policies. And they don't even condemn the, uh, the Hamas scum for their, you know, absolute... Well, they do. They do condemn. But yeah, the whole thing yeah, they is, they, is, is, they, is they, they, they praise Israel and they basically say, yes, this is what is expected of a moral country that conducts but, a moral policy of self-defense. But the fact is, war Everybody is wants war. them to be altruistic. War is war. Israel has been at war for 50 plus years, 60 years. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, you, there, are, there are no more considerations for the other side and quote, unquote, civilians when those civilians are a family, family of the terrorists, they, they it's like, whatever, I mean, I'll bring up something, something later about that, you about the civilians. And, yeah. Oh, the civilians and everything, and how, how innocent they might be. Yeah, we can, we can definitely talk about that. If people do want to talk about all the stories that we have planned to discuss today, you can call 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. But yes, an Israeli soldier has been captured, as far as I know, he is still alive. As far as I know, also, this is putting pressure on Netanyahu to increase the offensive and to recapture the soldier from Hamas. In the meantime, I go out on Twitter, and this is what I see on Twitter from Glenn Greenwald. And as you know, I have liked Glenn Greenwald for the work that he did releasing the Snowden revelations. And I actually went to go see Glenn Greenwald speak about the Snowden revelations and in defense of Snowden. And then I see this on Twitter in my feed. This is what he says. He says, of all the barbarism seen in Gaza in the last month, isn't capturing an enemy soldier from an invading slash occupying army lowest on the list? This is disgusting. A human life means nothing to him. A human life from a civilized country. A fellow Jew of his also. Well, and then also to call them an invading, occupying of course, army. Of course, definitely. I mean, there are so many things wrong with this tweet. So well, I unfollowed Glenn, Glenn Greenwald. Sorry. I mean, I liked what he did with Snowden, but that was it. And this is just making the... Well, as the, you said, I mean, that's the only thing that's made, that made him listenable to some extent. Period. His association with Snowden. But he's... Uh, you know, he's uh, anti-Israel, anti-Jew, Jew, who is licking the boots of uh, butchers. Right. To what end? Imagine if they, if they caught Greenwald 
what they would do to him. American Jew homosexual. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's, you know. I, I, I really, I don't understand at all the sympathy for Hamas, but the only way that I think I can make any sense of it is along the lines of what Yaron Brooks said in this recent podcast question. And again, I, po- I posted the link to this at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. Go to don'tletitgo.com to see all the program notes for today's show. But someone asked Yaron, why are people anti-Israel. Why are libertarians in particular? And in particular libertarians. And, and I see Greenwald as sort of a left-leaning libertarian type. Who is pro-Islam also. And if, if you go, and I'm not going to you know, play it here on the show, so it's about five some odd minutes, but Yaron talks about the fact that a lot of these libertarians in particular are anti-government. And if you see a semi-successful government that is known for respecting rights, which Israel actually is, yes. believe it or not, um, you wouldn't know I mean, it by listening to some of the people. It, if Israel were, were like its, its, its enemies, there would be no Muslim world. That's right. They would nuke them all. That's right. And they're, they're relying on Israel's humanity to get away with killing them. I mean, that, that's what they're relying well, on. Well, and, and also on their altruism now, and this is, this is just, it's, it's horrible. But... In any event, what what uh, Brooke was talking about was uh, the fact that, you know, basically what the libertarians do is they're anti-government, and so any government that seems to be successful, that people actually like, <laughs> that they see as a value in their lives, that government is going to be one that they hate, that they resent, and so Israel is the rights-respecting government in the Middle East. Yeah. And, and that's it. That's, that, that, yeah, that's the reason. But, I mean, you just would never think that anybody who would call himself a libertarian would come out in defense of Hamas. And, yeah, there are some children there, you know. But, again, you know, Hamas is not doing anything to protect their children. In fact, they Israel, put their children is, in harm's Israel's way. Israel is protecting, quote-unquote, Palestinian children. Israel. That's it. Anyway, so I unfollowed him. And and just go look at his Twitter feed because that is just the tip of the iceberg. I saw that one and that one alone where he talks that Israel is the invading, occupying army. Again, what is the history of the whole Gaza thing? The only reason that Israel gave Gaza over is as a total concession. The territories in Gaza and elsewhere on the West Bank and stuff that they gave up are territories that they actually need to remain secure yep. to, to you know retain their physical defenses, and they have left themselves vulnerable, I think because of world pressure. Yeah, you know. They, plus, plus the religion. I mean, you know, the, the altruism runs deep, and they have to show the world we're good guys. We're good guys. We're good guys. Yeah, you know, at at their own expense, which is just it, it's tragic. As I mean, it is for a civilized country to put themselves in that kind of position against savages. In the meantime, it was pretty quiet, but I gather that we actually did here in the United States pass a bill that gave additional supplies, military supplies, to Israel. Okay. But this was all done quietly where nobody was really saying too much. Now, the only person who would say things about it is Ted Cruz. Um but I think a lot of people just tried to be quiet about it and not, you know, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. We're on, we're on the side. Yeah, no th- there's a really interesting piece, though, 
about why this particular war is different that CNN posted. It makes an interesting point. It's saying that in Gaza, they are fighting a proxy war for the entire Mid-East. Absolutely. You know, so and, and, and both, sides, both sides both sides are fighting the war for the entire Mideast because there are a number of countries in the Mideast yeah, that quietly. are on Israel's side quietly yeah, about quietly. this. quietly. Real quietly. Because you know, they're embarrassed to be associated with the, uh, with the critical Palestinians. They, they see them as the trash cans in the Middle East. They, they see them as the lowlifes. Lowlifes see... You know what I mean? Lowlifes see them as lowlifes. But they do. They're like embarrassed by them. So like, Ugh, I don't be associated with them. You know? That's it. They're embarrassed. Because they're 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 on, on a lower totem pole to the Saudis and, and to the others. They also might know that Israel is keeping them from being the target. That basically the only thing that stands between yeah, but since them it, being wiped out. Since Israel right? was born, that's the proxy of the entire Middle East. Now keep keep them angry and poor, and make sure the money only goes to weapons. That's it. Hungry and angry. And poor. This, this is a joint, uh, apparently, and, and uh, actually this is a quote from CNN's Ali Yunus, who's an analyst who covered the region for decades, says, most Arab states are actively supporting Israel against the Palestinians and not even shy about it or doing it discreetly. It says, she says, uh, quote, it's an, a joint Arab-Israeli war consisting of Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia against other Arabs, the Palestinians as represented by Hamas. As New York Times puts it, quote, Arab leaders viewing Hamas as worse than Israel stay silent. Okay, what's these critical Arab leaders? I hate when they say it. They're Muslims. I mean, they, they can just put them as Arabs, but then the uh, Iranians aren't Arabs, you know, others, but whatever. Uh, what Islamic argument do they have against Hamas? It's a good question. No, but they don't have one, is what I'm saying. Now, now let's listen to this Maybe, maybe it's, it's a Sunni-Shia thing. Maybe the Iran is backing them up, so therefore they're against Iran because they want to be the top dog in the Middle East. The Saudis want to be top dog, and Iran wants to be, and they're like, through that maybe? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but this is interesting. Remember the American Enterprise Institute? Some guy there has been criticizing Don Watkins. Did you kill the fly? Yeah. <laughs> um, some guy at the American Enterprise Institute has been criticizing Don Watkins on, about his welfare state. I just on the air. That's I killed. A fly. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, the is Anyway, this is Danielle Pletka from the American Enterprise Institute. And this is what she says. She says, the Israel-Hamas conflict has laid bare the new divides of the Middle East. And she says, it's no longer the Muslims against the Jews. Now it's the extremists, the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, Hezbollah, and their backers, Iran, Qatar, and Turkey, against Israel and the more moderate Muslims, including Jordan, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia. So, yeah, but she says no longer the Muslims versus Jews. They're all Muslims. What are you talking about? Well, she's saying that some of the Muslims are on the side of the Jews, and so therefore it's no longer Muslims versus See, Jews. if it's going to be like this, if it's going to be this subtle where it's not even a, a major story, where not, they're not coming out on Fox News about it like these... Arab Muslims who are supposedly on the side of Israel, let them come out there. Go on uh, Al Jazeera. We support you, Israel. I mean, let them do that. Enough of these behind-the-scenes stories here. Go out there. Right. You know what I mean, go all the way. If you're really on Israel's side, that's just BS. So you think no? You think they're no, wrong? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, as far as they're concerned, 
again, they're maybe ashamed and embarrassed to be associated with the uh, with the uh, quote unquote Palestinians, but they want Jews dead. It's part of their life, you know, without Jew hatred, without killing Jews. What is Islam? So you, you don't you don't buy this idea that in some of the countries there are a whole bunch of quote moderate Muslims that would rather have the quote extremists gone. Quote unquote extremists. Yeah. Like who? Like like, like they, Hamas. Like their heroes. Yeah. Like Islam's heroes. They don't want to be associated with them. Look, in their mind, these quote unquote moderates, they might not be you know, strapping bombs themselves and killing. But they have no argument against them. They want to be part of a religion that sanctions those guys. They're just embarrassed because they wouldn't do that. But this is their religion. That's their brothers. They want to dissociate themselves, leave Islam. Enough of this crap. It's like they're, they're trying to make Islam look better because the real face of Islam is, is Hamas and what they're doing. That's naked Islam. And they're like, I don't really like that face. I don't want to be associated with that face. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I don't, I don't go out there and gut pregnant women. Therefore, you know, they're bad. I mean, make the Islamic argument. And if you can't, shut your mouth. I mean, I mean, seriously, or leave the religion. Because that is the naked face of Islam, what we're seeing right now. That's it. Well, that and then ISIS. Yes, ISIS, Boko Haram, Al-Qaeda, Islamic Jihad. It's endless. Hezbollah, Hamas, Fatah, all these scum. That's Islam. And, you know, people... Even people on our side, well, that's not, yeah, that is. That's the end-all, be-all. Uh, their prophet was a warlord. You think he just sat back and, no, he killed people. He went after them. He wanted to, you know, submit or die. And, that, and that's the end. That's the end game of Islam. That's the bottom well, and, line. And, and look at the charter of Hamas. I mean, it just it involves I mean, wiping out Israel as it says that they should go after the Jews yeah, in the Quran. In the that's Quran. It. And that's the whole thing. And, and it, a Muslim... Take the exception to that. You are taking exception to Islam, to your own religion. You want to make the argument. Go on, go on Al Jazeera and say, you know what? I disagree with, with, uh, with the, what the Quran says. They wouldn't dare say that. Why? Because it's Allah's word. But it's just it's, it's pathetic what they're doing because they're like, we're on the side of Israel. No, keep, keep it cool, you know? Uh, because Hamas is they're just too much. It's just too much. No, that's Islam. That's jihad. That's the end game. That's the final word of the Quran. I mean, the final word of the Quran is all at war against against infidels. You know, there was a, a some sort of a news release on CNN, and it was about John Kerry. And John, even John Kerry had to admit that Hamas totally is horrible and, and sucks because here he is, he's brokering the ceasefires, and Hamas is breaking them. And there's just no way for him to evade the horrible nature. The thing Look, is, if he walks into Gaza and shows his face... They'll drop dead. So I mean, he should just go there as a weapon. I mean, I mean, really, just show, show the face of John Kerry in person. You can see him on on the screen, but in person, it's you're not going to make it out of their life. So he should go there to negotiate with her. Just walk up and look at him, and drop dead. But he's been trying that in Israel. It doesn't work. Why? I don't know. Okay, I don't know. This this is truly immoral. UN. I mean, oh, the, the UN does so many way, immoral you, things. You know, the bottom line of the liberal arguments is, uh, you know, Israel has a right to defend itself, but it doesn't. I mean, that's that's their argument. You know, they have the right, but they don't. Right. That's well, and and again, everybody expects everybody 
yes. both conservatives and liberals. You better be civilized in this Israel brutal war. To commit self-sacrifice. And the only difference right now between the conservative and the liberal commentators that I have seen is that the liberals think that the Isra- Israelis are not cutting their own throats enough. Yes. And the conservatives say, well, Absolutely. my gosh, look, the Israelis are cutting their own throats, look, and look, Hamas no, is, like, about it. cutting them through. No, you know? It's like, you know what, there are not enough Israelis dead. You've got to balance out Israeli deaths with um, Palestinian deaths, quote, unquote. I mean, you have to balance. That's their whole thing. Like, wait a minute, a thousand dead, quote, you know, Palestinians is only, at, what, 50 or 30 Israelis? You've got to make sure there's a thousand Israelis, too. Then we can sit back and, you know. You're like, okay, this is a balanced war. I mean, you you, ba- you basically need a, a Yaron Brook or I guess a Joan Rivers, you know, to actually say, look, they started it. They are the aggressors. Yeah. And, and she doubled down, by the way. She doubled down yeah, again? She doubled, no, she doubled down because I guess she was confronted with it. I don't know where it was, but she, she doubled down and just more or less said, said the same thing for together. Can you find the clip? I would love to play it. Uh, I don't know if it's a clip. Oh, it's not a clip? Okay, yeah. it's some text interview if you can find the text that would be great because i thought she was excellent and you know to sit there and and say look they start this they are the aggressors this idea of blaming israel for anything that they're doing in defending themselves is ridiculous and i think that in fact israel is needlessly putting their own civilians and Soldiers defending themselves is, in the, harm's is way. the annihilation of yeah. uh, of Hamas. That's the, is, that's how you defend yourself. And then you go after Fatah, and you, and you show the Middle East that it's over. You, you're going to stop killing Jews. Or we're going to kill you. We're going to wipe out your entire terrorist groups. You know, it was funny because I have a friend who posted a bunch of uh, pro-Israeli stuff, and I was really proud of this friend for doing it because he's kind of in an industry where there's a lot of liberals and stuff. And then one friend comes back in response to this and says, yeah, you know, you're right. You know, Hamas really is uh, being horrible in this situation. So they should just kill the leader of Hamas. That's legal, right? It's legal to kill the leader of Hamas. And I'm thinking, and I didn't get involved because I look, you know, you're on Facebook or whatever. I don't want to get involved in long protracted debates with people on Facebook. But I'm thinking, this is whack-a-mole. You know, you get rid of the one leader of Hamas that this one, you know, this woman thinks it's, oh, just take out the one leader and woo, everything will be. (laughs) Another rat. There are so many. What was it? I saw a headline and I didn't put it in the notes for today's show, but it was something like Hamas says they have 3,000 well-trained suicide bombers ready to go. Do you believe it? No, absolutely not. Okay. Only because it's very difficult for them to get idiots to... uh, you know, to sacrifice their lives for Islam. Well, what about that video where they all sure. warm to the sites of yeah, the bombing? Not, is, is it because they believe Israel won't actually sure, hit? Sure, but, okay. but thousands? I mean, thousands? And also, yeah, they are counting on Israel. Uh, be Israelis, please. Be civilized. You know, to us savages, be civilized. But, uh, again, the 19 hijackers, 9-11, only four of them, the actual pilots, knew that there was a suicide mission. The, the, the other thought was some conventional hijacking. It's very difficult to, even for hardcore Muslims to to throw their lives away for Islam. Very difficult. 3,000 BS. You know, they always want to tell us, um, as they say, you know, we, we, love, we, uh, we love death, we love death, because the, the truth is what? They hate life. And they don't want to admit that. Right. But right. They, it's very difficult for the scum, for the scum leaders who would never, you know, never do a suicide bomb attack, uh, get these idiots to throw their lives away for Islam. It has to be something real rotten to the core of these people.
State Defiance here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio says, Hamas doesn't have anything I would classify as well-trained. Yeah, and, and Nielsen says, in, you know, the idea of saying that you could kill the leader of Hamas is like saying you can kill the leader of the Bloods. And yeah. it's true. You you kill one well, leader and then more. Just, the entire look, organization needs to be wiped out. There has to be, it has to be basically Hamas, you know, from what, 1978 or 1980 till 2014, gravestone. That's it. And then you go after Fatah and the other rats. Make sure, you know, you get them before they start to act like the big guys. And Israel tell the world, you know what? You're going to condemn us to hell with you. We're going to pull out of the UN. Uh, we're going to—I mean, no, but they can do it. They have the power to do it. They just need need the moral power to say, you know what? To hell with the world. And believe me, once he starts talking like that, I think people will start respecting Israel a little more, because uh, they've lost a lot of respect doing this crap. You know, letting them letting themselves be bombed. I, I mean, how long? Ten years now? I mean, it's just—it's endless. Well, you know, we we made a huge concession today. Apparently, you know, I say we, and I, yeah. I don't know why I would identify myself with Barack Obama, well, but it's, it's a like US it or not, current he's the administration. guy. He's the guy who represents us, and he actually conceded that Hamas was to blame for something today. Yeah, but yeah, you know? okay. He says that, and then he says, but right. Always, there's always a but. You know, always a but. So to hell with him. And how about the UN? I mean, they really should leave the UN. Even yeah, they, they should. Ju- just for this latest. There's right no here. country that's more condemned than Israel in the UN. Not even America. This this is from Breitbart.com headline: UN condemns Israel's latest war crime. Okay, you want to hear what it is? Yeah. The latest war crime of Israel is that it did not share Iron Dome with Hamas. It's just. That that should be the onion. It should be the onion. That should be the onion. It should be the onion. The the idea that you are going to give this one thing that is keeping your citizens safe to Hamas. I wrote, you know, I said the UN, the place where good and evil meet to pretend there's no such thing as good and evil, they, it condemns itself for condemning Israel for not sharing Iron Dome with Hamas. And also, uh, I said, UN, this, this is the UN to Israel, in essence. You better share your military security capabilities with your would-be annihilators. This is uh, Israel to the UN, in essence, which I think they should say, F you, to hell with you. This is sick stuff. This is a cartoon, a bad cartoon at that. I mean, you better, you better help your enemy survive your retaliations from their attacks. Who is this Navi Pillay? They had a Geneva-based UN Human Rights Council. They said Israel is not doing enough to protect civilians. Quote, there is a strong possibility that international law has been violated in a manner that could amount to war crimes. You know, this... I mean, and, I mean, and, damage. and, listen to this, UN chairwoman has criticized us for helping fund the Iron Dome system, which is saving countless lives. That's what I'm saying. They want dead Jews. They want more dead Jews. That's what they want, because that's what they're saying here. Right. We need to see more dead Jews. And the Iron Dome is not, is not helping along with that. And look, quote, no such protection has been provided to Gazans against the shelling, end quote. Um, it would help, first of all, if the Gazans, so to speak, did, Gazans. Not, did not put their civilians as shields Gazans. I mean, think about that. Territory names now, you know? I mean, it's always it's about Jew hatred a thousand years old in the Quran, and they try to make it to a territorial issue. A political issue? No. It's a religious issue. 
through and through. And when they say, look, you know, look, looks at the Middle East, Israel, and okay, Kashmir, Pakistan, India, that, what does that have to do with Israel? Us, Al Qaeda? No. Nope. Nothing. No. Nope. So it's, it's Jew hatred and also hatred of all those who are not Muslim. And particularly the Jews, though. I mean, the real. Uh, Muhammad had a hard on hatred for, for Jews because he saw them as, as ones who, who would actually flip to, to Islam more so than the others, and they rejected him. Therefore, he had to wipe them all out. The other thing that the article noted was that this woman, Pillay, did not make a single mention of the fact that, that Hamas is a terrorist organization. And well, there's that. But just within, what, the last couple of weeks, they found weapons stored in schools absolutely right. in Gaza. Yep. Or in you know UN schools in Gaza. Yep. So I mean that's just terrible. We have a call here. Let's see who this is. Hi, who's this? Hi, Amy. It's Debbie. Oh, hey, Debbie. hi, Debbie. Thanks for calling. How are you? Great. I found something even better than Audible to listen to on my drive home from work. Wow. <laughs> Yay. Well, thank you for calling. Oh, yeah. the, only thing that, the, the only thing I don't like about that is that you're working this late on a Friday. Oh, well, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> uh, I love my job, so not, uh, nice. not a problem. But, That's uh, good oh, and happy birthday, Bosh. Thank you. Thanks a lot. He you're had welcome. his ceremonial cheesecake, piece yes. of cheesecake. And, right? great, and, and the great news. Yeah. And I watched Guardians of the Galaxy, which was good. It was good. Not great, but good? Not great. Yeah. Funny, good moments, but as a whole, it didn't really fit. It didn't just make a great movie. You want, you want to hear my... But fight? I'm intrigued enough where I might want to watch it again. You want to hear my late night integration about what you just said? Yeah. So I remember seeing that 90 plus percent on Rotten Tomatoes right, said that yeah. it was positive that yeah. you should go. Yeah. So I was thinking it's kind of the same as the, uh, the band, the Jezebels that they all like Radiohead. Right. It's like, yeah, they all like Radiohead, but they don't love Radiohead. Right. So yeah, 90% of the people yeah. would say, yeah, go to the good. movie, but yeah. it's good. You know? <laughs> I mean, maybe someone thinks differently, and I'd love to hear it. I just, right. you know what? I went in there not knowing the characters at all or the comic. Maybe that hurt. Maybe it did. I don't know. But it was enjoyable, well done, funny. I mean, a few laugh-out-loud moments, i got to say, flat out. But uh, but thanks, Debbie. Sorry. No, thanks. sure. Yeah, no, um... So this is quite uh, uh, incongruous with talking about birthdays and cheesecake and movies, but um, I just was really shocked by the statement that woman made, or was it a woman that not not be something? A a creature, I think a creature, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter because it's not human. But uh, the statement that Israel is guilty of war crimes because they didn't share their Iron Dome with the mods, I was just thinking that is that's just a really like shockingly glaring instance of egalitarianism, just on a yeah. on a, on an insane proportion. You know, like everybody's got to be equal. So if you're at war with someone, you've got to share your resources with them so that you can both kill each other equally. That is just and it, it's, you know what it is? It, it's also, it, it's just a total detachment from reality because what it reminds you of, it reminds you of something like 
the NBA having all these rules to make all the teams relatively equal so no. that you have good competition and stuff. No, this is life and death. Yes, people are these dying. are real human lives. These are people, Hamas, who want to wipe out the entire state of Israel. That's their goal. And Israel is supposed to share the weapons Look, that they need for their self-defense well, also, with this people who want to wipe them out. Just because I mean, uh, Muslim terrorists are so incompetent. I mean, look, they are a war people. They are people who love war. They can't wage war. They're incompetent in that sense. I mean, they've never, never been able to. I mean, we've been, we live in a world where nukes have been around for decades and decades and decades. They still haven't been able to, to get one. I mean, they're, you know, they stole secrets. They have these nuclear scientists. They keep trying to get it, get it. It's, it's an old weapon now, and they still are on the verge of maybe getting it. They're a warlike people yeah. who can't wage war. And that's well, why right, they resort to terrorism. Yeah. I'm sorry, go on. I mean, we need to be able, you need to be able to think, and you need something like science in order to, to, to create a nuclear right, bomb right. or even to as, replicate one. As someone said, as someone said the only people who, would have, who should have a nuke are those who could create one. A culture mm-hmm. that can create it are the only ones who, who, who should mm-hmm. wield it and use it. The only ones. Because the only ones will use yeah, it right out of the gate. It says in the Quran somewhere, correct me if I'm wrong, that Allah, that they reject science because it implies that or Allah's hand has to be unfettered or something like that. Like, it would negate the right. possibility of miracles if we lived in a it rational... Yeah, it challenges uh, Allah. It cha- and nothing can right. challenge Allah. Yeah. So the, the irony being that they then can't make a nuclear weapon to kill people right. in the name of Allah. Which is, right. you know, it's kind of actually like a... Um, Justice, you know, that the these people ideologies are self-defeating, like an example of the incidents of evil. The problem right. is that the other of the civilized world taking their side and saying the most preposterous, like Israel, Israel has to share weapons to arm Hamas or to I mean, arm their defense. I think about that. I'm sorry, but this lady should be the butt of all jokes. John Stewart should be mocking her. He won't do it. He's a piece of crap. He would not do that. He actually made jokes about. Israel trying to warn, uh, warn quote-unquote, Palestinians be, uh, of a bomb that was coming by, by putting a smaller bomb near a building. And he was laughing at that because they, they, they can't find another way to warn them or something like that. This is, a, this is a sick thing without question. Wait a minute. Hamas is going there to target civilians. Israel is there warning these, quote-unquote, civilians to try to save them. And, they, and he's mocking it. John Stewart mocks it. You got, you know, I mean... Yeah. He just uh... well, and and here's the thing. I think I th- I think that in a way they open themselves up to it by buying into the altruistic just war theory premise. You know, so they're opening themselves up to the criticism if they don't perfectly protect every yeah. single quote unquote civilian or anybody who can pass themselves as it, off as, as, as if a it's their job yeah. to defend themselves and protect. Let me ask you two guys a question, though, because I've been, this has been kind of bugging me for the past few days, okay? Um, I completely agree that it is horrible to say that there is any moral duty on the part of Israel to, you know, go out of their way to protect any civilians of, of Hamas, you know, or, or Palestinians, quote-unquote Palestinians. But at the same time, I still think... There is an argument to be made that was in this meme on Facebook. Let me describe to you this meme that I saw on Facebook the other day. And it says Hamas's priorities, right? And then what are they doing? With the money that they got, which is $1.25 billion, 
right? They built 1,370 tunnels specifically for the purpose of targeting, I presume, Israeli citizens, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of, if they had you know, taken that money and spent it on stuff that would actually help their people, they could have had two hospitals, 20 schools, three towers, and three shopping malls. They then, could have had all this stuff. Yeah, but, and, and so basically you're pointing out the priorities. And the, but this is who they are. They well, can't, of course, this that's is who they the are, nature but, of who they are. They wouldn't do that. But here, you know, here, here again, is it, is it? I mean, should, should we be pointing this out? Is this any kind of argument to be made? Or, as Peter, who responded to my posting this the other day, this, he, he's saying basically you shouldn't even make that sort of argument. He says, he says, I'm not sure that I understand beyond Hamas getting Palestinian children, which is really the fault of the parents. What? is our or the Israelis' interest in pointing out that Hamas may be abusing Palestinians. And basically my interest is in saying, look, Hamas, the type of government that it is, if you can even call it a government, is completely anathema to the well-being of the citizens who live in Gaza, right? And one thing also, they weaponize hospitals, they weaponize schools, they weaponize critical collateral damage. They've weaponized that. I well, mean, and, then he, and then he says this, right? Then he says, he says, you shouldn't identify Hamas as the enemy. He says, they're just a small that? part, this, this guy, Peter Leiflang. And I think he, what he's doing is... He's, That's their concrete enemy at this moment. Well, they and, are. And, he, and he's fall, I think he's falling into the idea of of all Muslims are bad and all Muslims are the enemy. Because then he says this. He says, he says, you can't identify Hamas as the enemy. He says, they are just a small part of the enemy. The enemy is the Palestinian people, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, during World War II, the term Nazis was not just representing the Nazi soldiers and the politicians. It was also representing the German in general. And I, say, I think that's false. I think that's false. And, and here's the thing. I think people just... The, ger- wait, 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 the German in general? Right. Well, there were like, Nazis, and then there were Germans. And, right. and, uh, and there what? were plenty of Germans now, who n- were not sympathetic with no, Nazis. No, no, they weren't, but they also they had to pay a price for it. Of course, is, of yeah. course. And, 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 and this is the thing. I think people cannot reconcile themselves to the idea that even though there may be, and there are, there surely are, some innocent civilians living in yeah. the territory of the enemy. They're born right? into hell. And, they're there. Yeah. But nonetheless, if they become casualties of a war that their leaders started, it is not the defending and population's that's the fault. That it is, should be made. Right. And, as, and, as, as I am and so, and so I, think, I think people want to fall into this like, oh, they're all guilty. I mean, just, and it's no. not that they're no, all guilty. I speak about, am, I, am I right, Debbie, or am I wrong I here? I speak about the guilty civilians. Since we're those. I'm sorry. And since we're the guilty civilian, when I say it's those who hang around Hamas, those who side with them, they might not you know, send rockets, but they are with them in the areas. They know where Hamas is. They go next to them. They do little things for them. They have to pay a price for that. They're in on it. And then the other ones who, who stay clear, they got the hell out of Gaza. They got the hell out of credible Palestine. And they try to make a life for themselves. Where? In Israel. So I just, you know... It, what, what, what do you think, Debbie? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you have a point. Um, I, yeah, there's people there probably. It's not like it's a free country with open borders. I mean, I, I think there's probably people there who are, and it's especially children who haven't had a chance to form any ideas at all. Um, but, yeah, it, and I think that maybe there's an inclination to, to say, well, I reject just war theory. You know, there's people who kind of sense that there's just something terrible about that because it kind of implies that you can't, rightfully fight for yourself self-defense. So maybe 
maybe what they want to say is, okay, well, I have to find a way to justify to myself that I reject this, and so I'm going to say that everyone there is guilty. And we're all yeah, because it's, it's, it's easy and pat. Right. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. It, make, it makes it easier, Unless right? That's not, not the case. I mean, I understand that it, it's, it's a little bit of a small point, but if you say, you know, look, but also one ha- thing, Hamas is not the type of organization, is what I'll call it, no, but Hamas, um, uh, that is going to do anybody under their power any good. Look, Hamas sees their, the children as tools. Again, they weaponize them. They use them for the propaganda to the media because every time anyone talks about it, mm-hmm. the children, the children, the children, the, chi- the children that Hamas endangered, that they jeopardized, that they killed, that's the whole point. And Israel has to go on that again and again if they have to, if they, if, mm-hmm. if they want to. I guess today, Israel shouldn't keep answering it. They shouldn't keep going out. Of course they should. Of course they should. They've, they haven't made the case in the past. They are, they're starting to now. And I think people are starting to pay attention a little. But here, here's the question. If I point this out, that Hamas, you know, with the money that they've spent on these tunnels, they could have done all this good stuff for the people who live there, am I buying into some sort of altruistic premise by doing that? I don't think I am. I'm no. just pointing out that there are governments that are good for their people and there are governments you, if, that are If, if you give money to a junkie, he's going to take care of himself right. and get something? No. If you give money to a scumbag yeah. savage, they're going to turn it into a weapon. Why wouldn't they? That's what they are. I think more fundamentally, it's not so much this issue of, well, the government shouldn't be putting up malls, it should be private citizens. I think it's more just the point is that they have the ability to create value or to create the capacity to destroy value, and they chose the latter. Right. I think that's kind of the central theme that's being fleshed out by that meme is just, look, they could have taken these resources and done something constructive, but instead... I'm sorry. We no. we have the pursuit of happiness. They have the pursuit of, of dead Jews. This is what they do. Yeah. This is their life. I mean, as far as they're concerned, killing Jews is their life. It's their sport. It's their entertainment. You see how they act when they when they kidnap a Jew, when they, when they kill a Jew. They act as if they're as, as if they just won the lottery. I mean, this is a sick, sick, twisted culture, and it's not our job to try to save those children from that culture. It's sad. Because some of them are absolutely innocent. They, they, they get raised, they're basically born into hell. But it's our job and Israel's job to protect them at their expense? That's impossible. This is war. And that's why these, these prolonged engagements, you know, they said, you know, war isn't as ugly as it gets. Get it over with as quick as you can. Or else it turns into something else, which mm-hmm. is what it's turning to now. But that's just, not, that's just not anybody's idea now. Not anybody's. So, well, you know, yeah, Debbie, another, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Debbie. I was just going to say, another way to look at this issue with the innocent, you know, the innocent victims that get killed, like kids and people who couldn't have possibly been involved. If someone, for instance, attacks me, comes up to me on the street and pulls a gun on me, and I have the option to fire back and, and kill them before they kill me, but there's also a chance that I accidentally kill an innocent bystander. Well... You can't just say that I don't have the right to defend myself, and if an innocent bystander gets killed, that's the fault of the person who initiated it. So, I mean, right. I, I don't know. Somehow it's kind of more clear when you think about it on an individual level like that. Right. 
I've been um, doing that uh, lately, actually. I've been doing that about this war and about the arguments, that the pathetic arguments that that the left's making. Well, and here's the question. If you went to some of these people, could they say, okay, I understand and I, and I buy that? Because I, I don't have this idea like that guy Lieflang did of all the Germans. No. All the Germans were complicit? No. no. Maybe a majority of them. Probably most of them, but there were some there who weren't, and some of the people who were not complicit were probably victims of the war, but whose fault is that? It is their German leadership, and that's the thing that needs to be kept straight, and that's the thing that nobody really wants to take. The the one who I think could be open to it is Rivers, Joan Rivers, because she was very adamant about, well, they started it, their fault. Look at the world we live in, okay? Look at the world we live in today. Joan Rivers, comedian says some of the best stuff about what's going on in, in this war. Well, there's another you know I mean? two. Comed- you, you, you know, Mason? Mason's out there as a well. Comedian. Oh, yeah, Jackie Mason's great. Yeah. But a comedian has to tell us the truth. Not our politicians, not the pundits on television. A comedian has to come out there and tell the truth in a very passionate way. I mean, it's just it's a strange world we live in. Uh, uh, Nielsen writes, uh, war is a hammer, not a scalpel. Absolutely. It's true. It's a bludgeon. It's and, you know, I think part of the reason that Israel, United States, other very developed nations with great technology are kind of, you know, doing the altruistic style of war is because technology makes yeah. it somewhat feasible. I mean, it is somewhat feasible, but, you know, with the type of thing that they're doing now, they have to send troops in because they've decided that they want to go in and do a more surgical removal of this Hamas so and, and getting, rid, getting rid of those tunnels. But, I mean, they could do it with much less risk to their own soldiers, their own civilians. And, again, I think because their soldiers are drafted against their will, right, um, they're drafted, I think that they've got even more of a duty towards those soldiers. I mean, they're saying, look, they have to keep those guys safe. They can't send them on these super, super risky missions. And Nielsen says it scares me when Joan Rivers begins to make sense. <sighs> she made a whole load of sense. I mean, you wouldn't have known that that, that was an old-time you know, comedian. You wouldn't have known that. I just, uh, I don't know, this, you know, this, this uh, Bush, right, post 9-11, this is going to be a long war. Well, and that's the way Why? that Yahoo talks, too. Why? Yeah. Why? No, you, you, <laughs> you, know you, you shouldn't expect We have the power to end those enemies overnight. If we so choose to, and they'll be yeah, they'll be quote unquote innocent, you know, civilians casualties and collateral damage. The enemy will be done, and then all those deaths will be on the enemy's head. And you tell the others, yeah. you want to do the same thing. That is your fate right there. Right now, just to add insult to injury, a story that came out in this last week is from Poor Richard's News, and the headline is: Emails reveal IRS colluded with State Department to target pro-Israel groups. It says, this is precisely why the IRS and other departments within Obama executive branch engage in cover-ups of their activity. The more we dig, the more illegal activity we find, and it's clear that it's an ideologically driven attack on those who think differently than the president. From the Wall Street Journal, here it is. In 2009, the Pennsylvania group Z Street applied for tax-exempt status for its mission of educating people about Israel-related issues. In 2010, an IRS agent told Z Street that its application was delayed because the tax agency Washington, D.C. office was giving special scrutiny to groups 
whose missions might conflict with administration policies. The IRS's Be on the Lookout list that uh, that November also included red flags for groups referring to, quote, disputed territories, end quote. Z Street sued for viewpoint discrimination. Its case is headed for discovery in federal court. Now emails covered by, uncovered by the House Ways and Means Committee show that the IRS and State Department were conferring in 2009 about pro-Israel groups like Z Street and considering arguments to deny their tax-exempt applications. So from top to wow. bottom, this government is anti-Israel. Yep. And the only way that they ever condemn Hamas is in a qualified way. Oh, and a very or, and, and also when Hamas, I mean, again, I always, you know, I always wonder, because people ignore, you know, the history of Hamas, right? They ignore the history. And so it gives Hamas sort of a chance, now that the spotlight is on them, to actually keep to a ceasefire for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, but, it but, but, it, well but, but I mean, they're, they're such idiots that they go ahead and they break it in four minutes or 90 you, minutes no, or whatever. No, they get away with it also. They're like, let, let, let's pretend, you know what, let's agree to a ceasefire. Break it, but if we agree, they'll like, oh, they're good. It's like uh, Arafat. He said, I want peace, and they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. He still kept killing Jews after he said that, you know, right. before and after and all that, but he said he wanted peace. And that's, that's what they do. But, I mean, even John Kerry can't ignore blatant, blatant breaking of a ceasefire like that. I don't know. Yeah, but, but you know what? You know, he, he takes it personally. He goes, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I told them not to do it. <laughs> and they still did it? No, but that's all it is. The arrogance of a John Kerry. You know, the, the, whole, the whole question is going to be, what will Netanyahu do? How far will he take it? Will he actually eliminate, get rid of Hamas? The way that he needs to. No one expects him to. No one who knows him probably expects him to either. But will he? I don't know. I hope he does. They're talking a better game this time. I mean, they again, are. you know, they're, they're talking a better game. I've been I've been very impressed with what I've seen of IDF. Haven't you as well, Debbie? I wouldn't say yeah, very well. Yeah, actually, uh, I heard last night on national government radio. Um, they were talking about this situation, and someone was on there who was pro-Israel, I was kind of surprised by that. He was pretty weak about it, but he, he was pro-Israel. He said that there was a, a poll that showed 87% of the Israeli people support totally wiping Hamas out, like just getting oh. rid of Hamas entirely. And, I'm sorry. Uh, and this guy, I'm sorry. Yeah, and, so, and the contrast, the quote-unquote Palestinians, 70 to 80% uh, support suicide bombers. So that's the culture right there, you mean? We wipe out those who, wow. who are trying to wipe us out. Yeah, seventy to eighty percent of the quote unquote peaceful Palestinians uh, support suicide bombers. Yeah. Wow, that's craziness. Anyway, we we do want to go on to other topics because we have a whole list over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com that I promise people I'm going to try to get through. But do you have any anything else on this topic, Debbie? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, I we're gonna. Talking, we're going to do a little bit more foreign policy, and then we'll get into some, some fun stuff towards the end. So stick around, definitely, because it's going to be a little lighter by the time we get to the end of the show, okay? Thanks for calling, Debbie. All right. Yeah, Take care. We'll talk soon. Okay, good. Thanks, oh, Debbie. I cut her off. One <laughs> right thing also. Okay, just, just one, one update. You know the uh, the 9-11 report? Everyone probably knows about the uh, There was 28 pages redacted, 28 pages that are, you know, classified. And the words that George Bush hid those, 
relevant pastures because as is being... It implicates the Saudis. Yes. Yeah. The, basically, the Saudis were in on 9-11. The supposedly moderate the Saudis, supposedly according Saudi, to yeah. CNN. Right, and just right. for the record, it makes sense. The Saudis are uh, al-Qaeda's greatest, state, greatest sponsor and the second greatest state sponsor on earth for terrorism after Iran. And there's a new story on, uh, on the blaze about it. And some uh, for, a former senator and some congressmen, I think, are trying to get the truth out, trying to declassify them. Because when those, when those are trying to cover for when the those Saudis. are declassified, we're going to have to do a whole show on that thing because that that is truly insane. But let's let's go through some of these uh, foreign policy. One of them is China. I mean, I don't know. Maybe people are just seeing that we are such wimps in foreign policy that they're all flexing their muscles. Oh, but sure. One story headline: China confirms new generation of long-range missiles, and supposedly these long-range missiles could bring a nuclear warhead to United States from yeah. China. Well, they're just letting us know, you know. Yeah. In the meantime, Russian Deputy Prime Minister out on Twitter mocks Obama by tweeting side-by-side pictures. One is of Putin, and Putin is holding a leopard. With his and, you know, I was, I was looking closely. Does he have his bra on, Putin, or, or his breast <laughs> I was looking to see if it was photoshopped. Like maybe the leopard was drugged, you know? Right. Because um, the eyes look pretty alert on the leopard, so I'm thinking... I More wonder, alert than puking. I wonder if they had sort of a leopard that was drugged, and then they kind of photoshopped the alert eyes into... I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about leopards. I have held a baby lion cub. Baby lion cubs are A-OK. They are cute as anything. Wonderful, wonderful. What do you, oh, yeah, we've got the picture right up here in the studio, actually, of me sitting there holding and petting a baby lion cub. So those are fine. Really cute. But an adult leopard? I have no idea. And then there's Obama holding a little poodle, looking unmanly, supposedly, as if well, this is the definition. Well, yeah, right? Hold on. He's, he's the first female president. No, he was actually uh, Valerie Jarrett. You know, she said it at an event, and people <laughs> accepted it. So, I mean, he's not manly. Anyway, right. this is this is the opinion of us in the world. Here's what China's anyway, this is this is just a sad state of affairs. Another story that came out this week and I mean, boy, this is really bad stuff. Bill Clinton hours before 9/11 said that he could have but did not kill bin Laden and he explains why. And I actually listened to this audio earlier. Should I go ahead and Play the play the little audio here. It's not even that good, but yeah. Yeah, let's go ahead and play it. Let's see if we can get it. When three hundred. Oh, we got ads. Sorry, we're going to talk through our ads. The here. ads. The b- ads that that just kind of zoom in there. Let's see, girders and skyscrapers and uh, Goldman Sachs, and here we go. Okay. And I'm just saying, you know, if I were Solomon, he's a very smart guy. I spent a lot of time thinking about him. And I nearly got it once. <laughs> I nearly got it. And I could have gotten, I, I could have killed him, but I would have had to destroy a little town called Kandahar in Afghanistan and kill 300 innocent women and children. And then I would have been no better than him. And so I didn't do it. He says he would have been no better than Osama bin Laden if he had killed him because it would have required him killing 300 innocent women and children. This now, why would I is, have required him that? This is exactly the kind of thing that Just War Theory tells him, the and, type of decision he, te- he should make, and this is what allowed 9-11. And the sixth thing, I think most people listen to that, yeah, I would have done, you know, done it either. 
I think so. Not on the show. Not listen right now. I think most Americans and most people in the civilized world look, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Just, just kill these critical innocents? Now, can't you avoid those if they were really innocent, if they were a little further from him? Whoever is around Osama bin Laden, hanging out with him, around his camps? Some of them are innocent. fair game. Some no, of them. No, but it's fair game. What I'm well, saying okay. Is, oh, yeah, of course they're fair game. I mean, my... No, but you're going to kill again, a guy who already killed Americans at that point. People need to realize that war is horrible and innocent people die in war. And it is not always the fault of the people who push whatever button it was or whatever. It is the fault of the aggressors. It's a and fault of Osama case, bin Laden for every Osama single person Osama bin Laden was a horrible serial killer. Yes. And, and he already killed Americans at that point, and this guy had him and said, mm, nah. And then, as he says, I, w- I would have been just as bad as him. So uh, I wrote, I said, Bill Clinton needed to prove he was better than Osama bin Laden at the expense of 2,996 American lives. What a loathsome POS. And I'm sure he had all sorts of intelligence knowing that bin Laden was planning attacks. 100%. 100%. They already knew in the mid-'90s that they were thinking about jetliners crashing them into buildings. They knew that. And they just said, well, you know, let's, let's worry about this. I mean, he, uh, that, that Russian girl over there, I never had an Indian woman. You know what I mean? You know what I, mean? I need a black, I need an Italian. You know what I mean? No, but that's what he was worried about. He says he's very smart about bin Laden. I mean, this, this desire to prop up bin Laden, like Peter Jennings, I remember, he went on, uh, on uh, Phyllis um, Regis Philbin. Regis right. Philbin. He right. went on a show. Weirdly, he had this like military jacket. It was weird. I mean, anyway, he walks up on there and he says, Bin Laden is very good. He's very good. Oh and Reed, Reed Philbin, of course, said, I don't, what? No, I mean, he's very good. Uh, military intelligence says he's very good. Don't, you don't refer to a mass murder of Americans in that way. And him also, he goes, uh, he's very smart. You know, I've, I've been thinking about him a lot. Right. No, he had him, he, suppose he had and three, again, it, it three is, chances to get to this guy. This total detachment from reality they a lot of politicians bureaucrats they just live in this other dimension where they 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 don't they don't feel the effects of their policies they don't understand what war really is i guess they see it like you know the nba commissioner you know evens out the teams and stuff i mean it is it is truly truly disgusting it is people are, are, are thinking about the uh the war that's going on with as if it's a sporting event. I mean, they, they are. They're right. sitting back and say, oh, come on. There's too many points on that side. We need more points on this side. I mean, it's too imbalanced. You know what I mean? It's like a soccer game, you know, 100 to 0. We need more dead Jews to balance it out. Right, right. No, but that's what they're thinking. Exactly, exactly. Now, let's get to the second alliterative I that we were going to talk about this evening, which is immigration. And just kind of bring people up to speed on what the latest is. So... Obama is trying to get Congress and the Senate to pass some huge slush fund. It was, what, $3.7 billion he wanted to solve this crisis that he in part started well, he because he passed this bill in which they the, said the that let, you know, let, let the children stay, you know, delay, right. delay the deportation of the children. And so here are a whole bunch of children show up. Imagine that. So... It's totally a mess, and so he wants to save it. And Congress, the House, did pass a bill that gave him 600 and some odd million dollars of the slush fund, 
And I guess they dictated specifically things that should be done with it, including sending these children back to be reunited with their parents. And, of course, he's not going to sign that, you know, and, and he keeps blaming the house because, they're oh, they won't pass anything. It's like, no, they passed something that could help solve the immediate crisis if that's really your concern. Anyway, I don't even think I want to blame, I, I don't want to play the clip. But you can go to the link. I've got the link in my blog at don'tletitgo.com. And you can listen to Obama. And basically Obama says, look, they're suing me right now because I did things by myself. And yet to help America, now, you know, John Boehner is telling me that I should do solve this crisis on my own. And, and But that's what they're suing me for. And he really, paints such a broad brush like on he, the wrong thing. Plus, he's, he's acting like the victim in chief. Yeah. Like, oh, poor me. In the meantime, you go to Dredge Report, and it's immigration this and immigration that, yeah. and everything is a red line. I don't want. I mean, this is it, the thing. It is, sens- it is sensationalism in a lot of ways. It is. It is huge sensationalism. Immigrants do not pose a threat unless they've got some horrible disease or they're criminals or whatever. But immigrants, as such, is not a threat. What is a threat is that if somebody comes here we automatically believe we have duties to give them stuff. And that's what's going on, right? The whole idea is, well, they've shown up, so therefore we have to give them. And there's stories out there of what we're giving them. There's suites with flat screen TVs and there's health spas or I don't know whatever's going on in these places where the detainees are. But let them come. Don't give them stuff. It's pretty simple. No free stuff. Just put a big sign. Come on in. But work, there is no free stuff unless you can beg for it and get it through private charity by the voluntary will of the citizens. But this idea that we're, I mean, you know, our government has put us in a place where people do naturally feel that it's dog eat dog, that it's a zero sum game, that if immigrants come in here, they are a drain on us. Yeah. And that's why people resist it. But well, you know, I mean, no, no, but they are, they, as far as Democrats, they are here to really make sure that the welfare state does not go away, that it, it is fed very well. Which I mean, would make them a double drain on yeah. us, right? So not just come in and take whatever's already there, but perpetuate the welfare state. And that, that's, but, but see, perpetuating the welfare state, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of people who, Honestly, I mean, they, they actually resent immigrants for competing for jobs, and that's completely wrong. Oh, what do we got here? Okay, fun fun in the chat room? How do we do this? Oh, right. wait, do I, you got it? Thank you. You can do it. Awesome. Um, I really think the proper policy, and we've talked about this many times, is an open immigration policy, but let's get rid of the safety net first. The problem is right now that we haven't gotten rid of safety net, so everyone is making their own judgment within that context. And I would say, okay, well, you know, you don't want people here who are going to continue to vote for the per- perpetuation of the welfare state. You don't want people to come in who are going to be nothing but a drain on the welfare state. Did you get it? Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Um, sorry for... <laughs> I was away from my microphone due to the ergonomics of the special Don't Let It Go Unheard studio. Um, But right now, this is just a mess, and Obama is using this issue to get all sorts of concessions and power and slush fund for himself. It is a big mess. 
And there's not going to be anything like the proper immigration policy that we think there should have. I don't know. You know, but but I, I don't think the drudge is helping. No. No, he's throwing fire in there. He's stoking it. The, De- definitely is. The the batting around back and forth, the idea of impeachment yeah. is not helping anything. I mean, I mean, the, you know, the fact is, uh, I think um, Andrew McCarthy made the point where we got to make the case yet. I made the case in my book. We haven't made it yet. Uh, but, of course, it's the idiot, uh, John Boehner, the coward. We don't want to impeach him. We don't want to, you know, it's like, just shut your trap. He was intimidated. He's taking it off the table. Remember I was saying, I think last week, where I said that all of this talk from the White House, where the White House and all their As if they allies, actually want him to be impeached. Well, as if and, they want well, and, they're, and they're warning of impeachment. It's like, no, well, but, it uh, that's a good thing, actually. Well, and and the whole point is is, is they're talking about it, assuming it'll that, never happen. Well, not just assuming it'll never happen, okay. but but assuming that it is is ridiculous mm-hmm. that anybody who would propose it is just right. an idiot. And so what they are hoping is that everybody who hears them talking about impeachment in this way will just absorb it without questioning it one single yes. bit. It's like. Oh yes, of course it's just ridiculous. Anybody who would think of impeachment is is an idiot of some kind. And so it is it is a classic argument from intimidation as Ayn Rand used to call it. The idea is to use the position, this case being in favor of impeachment, to impeach the proponent of that. So you're impeaching the impeachers without even questioning whether impeachment is something that really should be done to the president, which it is. Um, I said uh, a criminal can avoid paying for his crimes by getting his accomplices to spread the idea that doing so is ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Committing crimes openly. Come on, guys. That's ridiculous for you to arrest me, isn't it? That's what Obama's doing. This criminal in chief, that's what he's doing. Committing crime after crime after crime. And with with Boehner, it's working. So many crimes, though, that it's tough to keep up now. I mean, really. I mean, honestly, it's like, okay, w- wait, what's do now? And that's what he's doing. He's trying to get us on on our uh, on our, on our heels. That you know, I mean, that was the thing with him. And I think uh, Alinsky basically said, lay it on, you know, and just keep going, just just keep doing it, make them uncomfortable. And clearly, the Republicans have been pathetic. They don't understand what they're dealing with here. This nope. is a bad guy. Nope. And they're like, well, he's, you know, one of us. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Ted Cruz is not intimidated, no. but he's not able to have enough of an effect he's right now. He's been marginalized in some some ways. I don't, I don't think the media's getting him on now, if you notice that also. Really? They haven't been? I haven't seen. Okay. I mean, you, you, there are clips that he sends out, others send out, not as much. You know, he's being marginalized. Well, we're going to have to see because he is winning polls. Yeah, he is. In places where they talk about who do you want to have for 2016. Right. So I don't think that they're going to be able to uh, to quiet him up. But we'll see. I mean, again, 2016 is, is an important thing. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of an update, because I myself wanted to look into this and I was worried about it, there are a couple patients, Ebola patients, being flown into an Air Force base in Georgia. They're probably already there as, as we speak. And what they've done, I, I forget where they've, uh, flown them in from. Do you remember exactly where they flew no. them in from? Anyway, what they did, I actually watched a video where they uh, showed the type of plane that they're flying them in, the type of chamber and everything, is very, very quarantined environment, very sterile environment they're flying them in. Um, it says uh, two Americans who were inflicted 
uh, with the Ebola virus in Liberia. They'll be the first known victims of the deadly disease to be treated in the U.S. when they arrive at a hospital here in the coming days. These are Americans being flown here to be treated. The thing about this disease is it's got an 80 to 90% fatality rate. So it is huge. Obviously, if you had it, you would want to be treated in the best places possible. But, you know, people have differing opinions about it. They say, well, I don't want them to be brought here at all. Um, other people say, look, if you can bring them here in sterile conditions. The thing is, some people say it's, it's, it's not a super, super contagious disease that it is possible to isolate. But it would be horrible to have a breakout of Ebola here in the United States. And especially now under Obamacare, where I'm already hearing stories of people getting suboptimal care and that people are having to be their own watchdogs at the hospitals to make sure that they're getting the correct treatment. Imagine Obamacare plus Ebola. It's just truly frightening. But this particular facility in Georgia is supposedly, you know, state of the art. They've got facilities that are separate from all the other patients. And Last thing also, the diseases they bring, that's never talked about. You know? Right. It really isn't. The, the, the welfare you know, dream of just, just sitting on their ass for who knows how long. Right. Well, America has a surplus of money, right? Let me just go there and just uh, to skim off. They do come here. A, a number of them do come here. Uh, anyway, this one, uh, Heather, Heather McDonald has written about it. And has you know for years, and she's talked about it. Yeah, a majority of them do come here for that. There are the good ones who actually want to come here and work, and they want to create, and they want to yeah, they want to flourish in America. But this idea that you know to not even mention the ones who want to come on the on, on welfare. I mean, why? That's a part of it. That's part of the problem. And she makes the, the, the distinction between um, what is it, the high skill labor and low skill labor and whatnot, the ones that don't, don't even work. There is a clear distinction between those type of immigrants. Well, I mean, what do you say in the situation, though, right? So you so let's suppose a majority of the immigrants are coming here in order to suck off the teat, so to speak, right, of the welfare state. I don't um, know. I don't know if anyone makes it. Well, some people do make the argument that it's a majority, a, a, a big number, but, but a suppose, far bigger than people let, let Okay, to, but suppose it was a majority. Yeah. Suppose it was a majority of It might be of because them. of what the country they come you, from. Would you then say, don't let anybody in? No. Right? No. I mean, just... If we had a, if we had no welfare state, if we had a rational well, exactly. government, well, exactly, that's the whole point. If this, if that, if this, you know what I mean? And then we could, we could vet them, see these people coming in. I mean, I don't know. There'll be a system where you want to open your doors to those who really want to come here and, and uh, kick ass, and the other ones, no. I mean, you want to come here and commit crimes? They have a, they have a, a you know. Up their arm, as long as their arm. I mean, we're in a situation now where they're throwing this term around inversion because the people who really want to kick ass want to leave, so that they're not taxed to death. So I mean, it's it's it, it is a, it's a true mess. But I can't. I mean, even if a majority of them are wanting to come into but it's still to get better welfare, than anywhere else. that's the whole thing. No matter how bad we're doing, it's sure. still better than anywhere else on earth, and that's the whole thing. You know, it is. Well, some people are begging to differ. I get emails all the time about and how great do. it is in Latin America right now. Yeah. So. Well, maybe certain areas, maybe in that person's home, you know, an individual. <laughs> it, it could it could definitely be tough. I got this story from the Wall Street Journal, and and well, I'm I think, saying sorry. One second. People are dying to come here still, no matter where we are. That's not happening. 
across. You know, that's not happening with all the other countries. There are still people dying to come to America because right. of what America has been. And uh, what and maybe what it and has maybe the potential what to be. It, what it could one day. Definitely. But wait, did you mention Shea Potley or no? I did not mention Shea Potley, but... Shea Potley has uh, certain uh, things now on their bags, messages that are basically are communist, you know, communist messages. Shea Potley, that's what I'm going to call from now on. Are we going to eat there anymore is the question. I don't think so. And if we do, maybe just mention that. Say, well, to see the bag, say, okay, well, guys, this is against work, right? You guys made the food that's in this bag. People made this bag, and they're going to take that? I mean... Why don't you reject it? You, you, you know, yourselves, reject the bag, reject, reject the ideas. It says they're basically just <laughs> something about don't want to work, I don't want to do right. this. I mean, it's just, it's embarrassing. Everyone will get free food. Yeah, everyone it's will like, get oh, free food. Oh, is this food. free then? Yes. You know what? <laughs> just ask them. Hold on a Hey, second. can we do it? Let's do a video. That I want to do it. I want to do it. Please. Okay, let's because go. Because it says on there, they're endorsing that idea. Plus, I'm craving Chipotle. No, but, no, but <laughs> they're endorsing that, that idea. So say, hey, free food. That's yeah. what it says here. So, so if they give us the bag that says that thing on it, I'll say, oh, I see here on the bag that this is free. So, And <laughs> right. can you video me yes, like yes, having yes. the conversation? Oh, that would be fun. That could be fun. Oh, I haven't man. done a video like that before. That could be fun. So, yeah, so the article is on um, that's one website, uh, TPNN, Useful Idiots. Uh, Chipotle espouses communist rhetoric onto go bags. Let me just read the, uh, the, uh, the words on a bag quick. I'm sorry. Hope, hope that in future, all is well, everyone eats free, no one must work, all just sit around feeling love for one another. George Saunders. That's on the Chipotle bag. On, on, on a multi-million, billion-dollar business. Chipotle. It's Shea Potley. Shea Potley. Same, same company as McDonald's, right? Yes, I think yeah. it is. I think it's a, a sister company, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's go to a different topic. And this story was sent to me by Carrie Gossett, listener. Thanks, Carrie, for sending it. It's a Wall Street Journal opinion piece, Let Patients Decide How Much Risk They'll Take, and it's about the FDA right. essentially blocking people from getting life-saving treatments. And the author, Kevin Tracy, is a neurosurgeon scientist and also entrepreneur, and he has come up with life-saving treatments that took one man who basically wasn't able to do anything with rheumatoid arthritis and make it seem as if he wasn't even afflicted with the disease at all. Here's a quote from the story. It says, when I met Gorin, this guy who was afflicted, at his doctor's office in 2012, however, he didn't seem at all afflicted with the disease. That's because one year earlier, he had been offered the opportunity to be the first participant in a clinical trial of a new therapy based on my invention. He received a bioelectric implant, implant and rapidly improved. His mobility restored. He was soon back at work and even sustained an exertion injury from playing tennis. And he goes on to say, you know, most people wrote that they would gladly uh, travel to Europe if they could get access to, you know, these devices and things like that. And then listen, this is the guy who's the inventor of this, who could have his invention out on the market helping people. He could be making money hand over fist, helping people like this guy go out and play tennis when he had been incapacitated from rheumatoid arthritis, right? This is what this guy writes in the Wall Street Journal. He says, while the FDA does a commendable job, comma, there is no reason it should have the sole responsibility for access to life-saving treatment. Sanction of the victim right there. Well, the FDA does a commendable job. The FDA initiates force against innocent 
moral innovators like this man who wrote this piece. And he's saying, oh, they do a commendable job. If If all they were concerned with was fraud, right, if they just redressed for cases of fraud, well, then, they, then, then that, that would be a commendable job. Yes, and they'll, they'll go after government. But as it is... No, but they'll go after the federal government. The well, ultimate, that too, ultimate that too, of process. course. Right. But the whole point here is yeah. all, all they are is the no-sayers. They, well, right, that guy just completely undercut his entire argument right there. Well, you know, they, they do well. No, no, they don't. They shouldn't exist. I could have added impedance, you know, that basically they're impeding progress. Yeah. That's the FDA. So, um, yes, it, it's good that he's speaking out, but I hate when they say, oh, you know, well, the government's doing a great thing. No, no, they're not. They're not. The government is initiating force against innocent people like this man. Um, this is an interesting story here. The police, the police in Menlo Park, California, apparently, say, do not call us if. Facebook is down. No. <laughs> so, as an officer, officer from Los Angeles I think, County, I think that was me. Took to Twitter on Friday when Facebook users called for help. That was me. Facebook users called for help to joking? report that the social media website was down. This is from Eyewitness Are News Three, WFSB dot com. This is a real story. They called the cops. They called the cops. And they said Facebook's down. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Users who tried to get on Facebook around noon Eastern time, time were greeted with an apology. Sorry, something went wrong. We're working on getting this fixed as soon as we can, the site posted. They called the cops. They called the cops. On Facebook. They did. Because. <laughs> now, listen, I think that this next story is really from the same people, okay? this It's got to be the same people. Americans demand new form of media to bridge entertainment gap while looking from laptop to phone. Listen to this. Expressing their growing frustration with the unacceptable weight experienced while looking from one electronic device to another, millions of Americans nationwide reportedly demanded a new form of media Wednesday to bridge the entertainment gap they endure while turning their heads from their laptops to their cell phones. According to reports from across the country, citizens are loudly calling for a device or program capable of keeping them captivated as they move their eyes from a computer screen to a smartphone screen, arguing that a new source of video and audio stimulation is vital to alleviating the excruciating boredom that currently accompanies this prolonged transition. Quote, whenever I switch from my laptop to my iPhone. I hate how there's never anything good for me to look at in between, end quote, said 28-year-old Cincinnati resident Daniel Camp, echoing the sentiment of millions of people across the country who conveyed their dissatisfaction with the current lack of images and sounds capable of holding their attention during this period. Quote, it takes forever for me to go from checking my Facebook notifications on my computer to a text message on my phone. What am I supposed to do during that time? Do you really expect me to just stare at a bunch of empty space? I just want something to scroll through or click on or swipe, Camp added. I can't keep looking at nothing. Call the police, right? That's it. Call the cops. What the hell? Get this done. Okay, that last one was from The Onion. What? That was from The Onion. What? Well, well, two things sounded like they were from the onion today. The pig from the UN. 
Yes. And the story right before, calling the cops. Yeah. Because Facebook's down. Yeah. Continue, man. I mean, <laughs> not, there's one part. There's one part at the end. Uh, right towards the end? How I, I mean, can, the, how, 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 no, but how much more is there? Oh, there's it's actually not reading. that much more. You're right. Yeah, yeah you're it's right. worth reading. Okay, okay, here we go. Men and women in all 50 states are reportedly insisting that the nation's top engineers and tech companies begin immediately developing some kind of con- constantly updating content feed or colorful display that is capable of glowing, vibrating, or emitting a short jingle during those moments that they turn their heads from one side or another, a period in which they are currently deprived of access to any source of media stimulus whatsoever. <laughs> now, why did you laugh so on. hard when you were reading this, Bob? I don't know, because you're like that, and I thought it was funny, because it reminds me of you. Read the rest of it. At least you can laugh at yourself, Bosh, I'm oh, glad. definitely. Uh, when contacted by reporters, Americans by, said they when would... When contacted by reporters, Americans, at <laughs> large. Okay. Americans said they would be receptive to a backlit interface that displays blinking text, presents a slideshow of photographs, or makes a tinkling sound when touched. However, these individuals emphasized that they didn't particularly care that the specific nature of the new media display was or how it worked, provided that it was capable of fully occupying the agonizing four-tenths of a second <laughs> in which both their phone and laptop screens remain beyond their line of sight. <laughs> Is there more? Four-tenths of a second. Then they go to the, to the next degree. Then they go to the... Quote, I'm open to anything as long as I can look at it and have it light up and maybe flash an icon at me, said sales associate Kevin Broadbridge of San Francisco, noting that some level of interactivity or Internet connectivity would be, quote, good, but not strictly essential. Quote, I really just want to be able to check the weather on my phone, tap whatever this new thing is a few times, and then go back to viewing a YouTube clip on my laptop without (laughs) having to kill time looking at my pant leg or couch cushions or anything else that's in between. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I think there's a little more. It's, it, it's worth it. While most Americans said that a source of media to fill the empty area between their cell phones and laptops should be a top priority, a recent nationwide survey also revealed a widespread desire to bridge other unbearable gaps in citizens' lives. Specifically, the poll found that 77% of respondents want an engaging animation to appear in their browser windows during the period it takes for a website to refresh <laughs> with a further 86% <laughs> seeking a graphic or other feature to replace the seemingly interminable black screen that momentarily <laughs> appears when they switch between two different television channels. <laughs> Imagine, you know, waiting for the Apple, uh, what do you call it, Apple TV <laughs> exactly. to load a show. I mean, that, that's that. just horrible, right? I mean, it's the end of the world. <laughs> Additionally, a full 95% of respondents insisted on the installation of an additional screen on the backs of their phones and tablets for those moments in which such devices are left resting face down. A lot of the time, I have to plug in my laptop or Kindle so I can keep using it, but the electrical outlet is just this white piece of plastic that doesn't move or give me badges or anything. There should be some display there that I can look at instead. and when I look at my remote control for my TV, all the buttons just have a bunch of numbers on them. Who wants to see that? Those should all be screens, too. Screens for buttons. And then the final things. But the screen shouldn't take any time to load, she added. I don't want to have to wait. I don't like that. At press time, Americans had upped their demands by calling for some type of media capable of providing them something to look at when they blink. <laughs> oh, man. 
Amen. Yay. That is hilarious. So um, you don't see any of yourself in there Zero. at all, Bosch, right? Not, not a bit? That isn't why you found it so funny and you said you have to read every I word of this? Laughing. Yeah. I think I cried laughing when I read it. That end with the blinking thing? The ones, you know, you I, I think I think when I read stuff like that, it's, <sighs> it's like um, that movie. I watched that movie, Lost in America, Albert Brooks. Yeah. And my problem. It was it was a great movie. My problem was I had a hard time laughing at it because right. I you was were, too you, sympathetic. No, you were invested in the characters, and they go through a hellish time. But uh, the opening, years later, because I saw it years ago, I didn't know about the Fountainhead. Years later, there's a, an audio, there's a radio show on. Albert Brooks is in bed, and they have it on in the background. It's not there by accident. Talking about the Fountainhead movie, mm. and it's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It was just so funny, that movie. We have a couple of good news stories, and these are thanks to Rob Abiera. Actually, the remaining stories are thanks to him, so thanks, Rob, for sending these. One is, DNC chair makes painful admission about Obama's work ethic, and you could just put in the headline, non-existent work yeah. ethic, and you could I'd, be done with that story. I say, Tom, I don't want Obama to be working. I want him to play golf. Oh, of course. And not do anything. Of but course. I know what, of I, I know what she means, because the fact is, he even said, he goes, I'm lazy. He said that. Well, and when, and the, when, when the DNC chair has to admit right. this. And, no, but when people call them lazy, they call them, they call them racists. It's like, wait, wait a minute, are you saying blacks are lazy? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, if you call me a racist, if I call him lazy, he called him himself lazy. So is he a racist? Well, and he was particularly pathetic this week. I heard a little clip, and I didn't post it at the blog at don'tletitgo.com, because I think I didn't want to torture you with it. But Obama's other saying, don't hate on, don't go hating on me or something. something what horrible slang. Stop hating. Stop hating, okay. Yeah, I, think, I, think, I think it's a stop hating. Our president speaks president that way? President of America, stop hating. And then he said, I, you know, he said, no, but it's just, that's ridiculous. Stop hating. I think H-A-T-I-N apostrophe. Another piece of good news is that the EFF, Electronic Frontier Foundation, has asked courts to find the NSA Internet spying a violation of the Fourth Amendment. So this is very nice that there's more court action. Again, when I went to go see Glenn Greenwald, and this is just a little bit more evidence that he is of the anarchist bent, he didn't basically have any faith in addressing the NSA problem within the American system, not even in the courts. He never mentioned the courts as a possible avenue Mm. of redress for this. And I think that that just shows his anarchist sort of leanings, maybe an anti-American sort of leaning. Well, he also does talks in front of CARE, who's part of Hamas, part of the Muslim Brotherhood. Why would he be involved in them? Why? Right. If he was a true liberal, he's not. No. So in any event, what the Electronic Frontier Foundation is doing, they're explaining to a federal court how the NSA hooks into the Internet backbone to conduct mass surveillance and why it's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. No, Stuart, I know, I know what Obama's trying to do. Just, okay, now read, read what Stuart's saying in the well, chat. Well, basically, he's trying to sound hip. Right. Uh, you know, and that's why, I mean, he, if you know it sometimes, if he speaks in front of a, a younger black audience, he starts you know, speaking a little more as, I guess, black, let's say. Like Hillary Clinton tried, remember? Remember right. a few years ago, remember that? She tried to put on an accent. It was so pathetic. But anyway, Obama does it with certain crowds. He just does it. It's it's so cheap and phony. But it, but it does, and that's why I hate him. 
And he said, I? You know, that's what he said after. Did, did you remember that or <laughs> But good news that the DNC chairman is having to admit that he's a lazy bum? Yes. And now, what, good news that the EFF is going after the NSA and showing exactly how it is that what they're doing is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Uh, yes. Love it. Like yes. it. Here is one story, because, you know, we're, we're at 9.30 now, but we don't have any particular time frame schedule, but we do want to wrap up pretty quickly. But let's, let's, <laughs> let's look at this question. What do we got Sorry, here? I, I listened to this one radio show. It's, uh, oh. it's LA Sports. Uh, after the NBA Finals, I started listening to some more sports radio to get off the, all the politics. Some of it's okay. You got uh, Max and Marcellus and the black guy. Sometimes, just I don't know where he puts these phrases in there. I guess it's from the 80s, 90s. I is <laughs> really bad. And uh, the white guy makes fun of him, and he makes fun of him because he, he's a Jew and he's a black. Black hats, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. But the whole thing, I remember that. The whole, uh, I, I don't know, is it Ebonics? What is it? Is that the proper term for that? I, mean, I don't know. Slang? Black community I slang? Even, I haven't even heard that particular. But, I, but you don't know what I eat is? You don't know what that is? No. I I guess it's supposed to be like, all right, I I, I think. Oh, is that I it? think so. Okay. I, yeah. Um, oh, that's pretty funny. By the way, speaking of listening to political talk radio, yeah. you've been catching up on Levin? I've been catching up on Levin. He did something very cool. Did you hear it? I knocked out 10 episodes after the openings were... Because uh, I'll... I, 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 I want to be the first to tell you I, something okay, cool that he I, did. I had 25 episodes unlistened to, and I like Levin. He turned me off for a few things, but I just but got you know a little busy. What, what did he say today? He coined a term that you would be proud of. Maybe he stole it from me, but go on. Homophiles. That's good. <laughs> That's very good. I like it. It's good, right? Homophiles, yeah. Yeah. It's not strong enough for those scum creatures, but I like it, because anytime you mock evil, it's good. That's very good. I, I like it. I like it. So, so let's end this on a question, okay? Because this is a story that Rob Abiera sent me, and it's interesting. And I think for the majority of people, it is a true connection, but I don't think it's a necessary connection. Here, Here's the issue. The, the headline of this Guardian story that Rob sent me is, How Original Sin Led to a Western Obsession with Self-Help says, trendy diets, self-improvement creeds, and feelings of inadequacy are the marks of a civilization shaped by biblical guilt. The idea that you are born, basically, sinning. Yeah, born evil. Born evil. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're born at an extreme deficit. And, and you've got to try to make up for it most, some way. Most of the West believes in some form of original sin. But also, and that's is it why dismissing the self-help Industry also. That's what you mean. Well, and that's the question, right? So, you shouldn't so do that. it may actually be true as a as a factual as a factual matter. As an atheist who that, rejects original sin, right? I I read a ton of self help. Right, books. because there are a lot of people who believe in pride as a virtue, and therefore they are on a continuous right. No matter what, it's quest not, for self improvement. It's not because they think they're evil; they want to be better and better. Right. You know, they know they're good and they want to be a lot better. They want they want to be great. Let's say. And that's why we read those things. That's why we want so to, we, we, we want to study those. But things. but if you if you talk about you know a quote Western obsession and you say okay well most people come from the Judeo Christian background I mean atheists we are persona non grata we are 
if you if we told half the people we knew that we, I mean actually I do tell all the people right. I know that I'm an atheist but somehow they deal with me but I guess maybe the people who don't want to deal with me they just quietly go away or something and people but, we know in a casual way if they knew they probably would look at us differently yeah that's just the way it is and uh, what is it people but, but, you know the, the, the majority are out there they're Christians and, yeah. they, and they buy into original sin they even believe if they're practicing Christians were, it doesn't matter they they bought into it to some right. extent it's been they've been poisoned even to a limited extent but that idea it's an evil idea it is an absolute evil idea you're, you know you as soon as you're you come out of the womb what you're you're no damn good yeah you're no and damn you have good. to try to pretend you are because that's what's that's what's saying you're you, no, you, you you have to ask to be forgiven yeah and constantly strive to be like so Jesus. Is right? this an attempt to undercut the self-help industry the well i mean it's a guardian right so they're more secular and it could be that. It says, Original Sin is the creation story of the Western world. It provides the framework, as such stories always do, for how our culture approaches what it means to be a human being. Um, our earnest attempts to understand and fix ourselves reveal that Western people remain obsessed with the subject of creation myths. I, I think there's something to it, but no, again, no, I, I, I don't think that any no. person who in, you know, looks something. to self-help, no, no, no. So, some people maybe were brought up by horrible parents and they have real problems that they're trying to solve so there's that and there's also why are you looking at me like that no i'm not looking at you (laughs) (laughs) what are you trying to say what objectivist right who was brought up by non-objectivists doesn't have some things that they feel that they have to fix from their childhood right and then also question like you know what is is it what is still affecting me today i mean what from my background what is it everything No, <laughs> no. But seriously, it's like that's what they'd all say. Everything is affecting you in some way. Yes. How well are you coping with it? Yes, you know, if you can come out of that mess, though, and you know, live a rational life. Anyway, so there's that. There's people who have very rough childhoods that they're recovering from. So there's that. And then there's also the people who just really embrace pride as a virtue. I think the the tenor of the self help stuff can actually change a bit. And I don't know what phase it's going into now. There's there's so many people who just yeah. everybody wants to coach everybody else now. Yeah. There are so and many they, and, you know, life coaches out there who need life coaches. I mean seriously, some of these people you look at them like uh, they need help, man. Well, but that's why they get into it. It's like psychologists yeah. who yes. get into psychology <laughs> right. because they're interested in right. fixing right. their right. own right. problems. So I think there's a lot of this, but not everybody can coach everybody else because then we're all coaching and nobody's doing. So there's that too. So it does get a little uh, out of hand, but you know, the, to the extent that you're not trying to quote fix problems, but just make yourself more efficient and more successful, yeah. then there's that element as well. And, and the early stuff, no, the, Dale, the Dale Carnegie stuff, was not about oh, there's something wrong with you and fix necessarily. Right. It's this is how to be successful. I don't know. It's it, it's an interesting question. No, it is. I mean, it's something to, but also. What's the motive? Is it to undercut the self-help movement? I don't know. But is it just, in, is it only from original sin? No, that's BS because uh, atheists don't believe in that crap. It's just, I think, you know, you really want to make sure that you can give yourself the best shot at being the best you can be. And uh, if these experts out there, you know, with some good ideas can affect you, great. I mean, there, there's some Stuart good in the chat room is talking about that book called The Secret. I'd heard about that. Yeah. I've never really looked at it. It says, The Mo- Secret Mo- Council that Wishing Literally Makes It So. Okay. Okay. That's funny because, um, what's his name? The Who guy? told you to get it? No. Uh, someone did. Okay. Uh, but what's his name? 
you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Canfield, Jack yeah. Canfield. Mm-hmm. Oh man, he literally told people. He said, uh, "You just think things. You really think and wish, and it will come into your life." And literally, someone told him, "I thought and thought, and nothing happened. Nothing came." So he had to tell the guy, "Well." Did you do? Did you? I mean, so wait, wait, yeah, but you're the one who said, if, if you think of it, really think about it, it'll come your way. No, no, you have to act. You have to think. It's not some kind of mystical thinking which will actually send some thoughts and pull them in. You know, pull something into your life. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing to get people that in in, in their heads because they want to believe that, mm-hmm. and they sit there in their couch, on their couch and they think. What are they thinking about wishes? Right. And the wishes don't come true, so therefore they blame this guy. When the guy should never have said that, first of all. And then he has to explain himself to that person. Ugh. Anyway, so thank you, Rob, for sending this, because it is an interesting no, it, observation. No, and, and I think it maybe is true for a majority of quite possible. people who are out there in this self-help and, and recovery. Yeah, and you know, they're just, it's reinforced in their life. I mean... Not, not not they say original sin literally, but it's reinforced that kind of attitude where you're nothing. Right. Okay, you're nothing but it, but, in the face of God. But you know, it, it, it would it'd be interesting to see if you had a healthy culture that was primarily objectivist, how much of that literature would exist and be out there, and what what the nature of it mm. would be versus the type that there is out there now. Right. Um, I think you know all the all the GTD stuff is not at all on the idea that. There's anything no. wrong with you? No. That there's anything bad about it's human beings? Very healthy, being. very rational. It's it's saying, look, you know, the the human brain is not good at keeping track of all of your commitments, and so if you record them in some place that you know you're going to look at them regularly, it'll take it off your mind and for you to be creative. This is nothing about fixing a problem. It's just no. this is the nature of human beings, and this is how we deal with it. I think it's a pretty healthy thing overall. Um, I've listened to a lot of David Allen, and he gets, you know, I'm, I'm sure he, I mean, again, I know he doesn't agree with objectivism completely from talking to him. Well, he doesn't understand objectivism. He, he hasn't he, read it. He understands some things, and I tried to kind of bridge a little bit when I had the interview with him, but you can do only so much in a conversation like that, especially... Well, it, it looks like he doesn't, it sounds like he doesn't understand it, because I don't think he actually dove into it. I don't think he, he's read the books, nonfiction and fiction books. I don't, I don't think he has. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun if he would engage with some of it more because there are, again... Well, well there, there are people who are, who are locked into not reading her. I mean, there are people who are locked into that. Right. Bill Whittle, one in particular. Remember the one thing that we, that we, that oh, we talked yeah. about? But there are people who are just locked into... I won't, I won't read Rand, Greg, Greg Gutfeld, you know? They're, like, determined not to read Rand. And that, to me, is not, it's not egoism that you know, people will say, oh, he's just being... No, no, no. It's, it's, a, it's a lack of a healthy ego where they can actually engage with Iron Man and still come out to be themselves without saying, oh, now I'm someone else. No, you can be ran and uh, be profoundly affected, yes, but also just be more, more you in a lot of ways. In any event, I, don't, I think that some of the literature is something that is completely consistent with objectivism, the nature of it yeah. is something that would exist even if you had a perfectly healthy objectivist who was just trying to get more efficient in the way that they tracked all of the commitments that they made in their life. No, they're, they're, they're important, these uh, 
So some of them. No doubt. Uh, and some of them you know, it's, it's, they stink. I mean, you, you, you start listening for the first 15, 20 minutes, like, okay. But some of them are actually definitely good. Like would Tony Robbins exist in a purely objectivist society? <sighs> Personal power. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's so hokey. It is so hokey. <sighs> Arthur in the chat room says, oh, my God, if your wishes don't come true, just blame Bush. That's right. <laughs> That's the best way. Oh my gosh! And yeah. Stuart, Stuart says, "Oh, people think, but if I read Ayn Rand, I yeah. might just have to admit that she was right." And also, one thing. I mean, I think some of these people also. There's some of them are um, agnostic, and they figure, well, if I read her, I'm gonna be agnostic anymore. I mean, has she actually make a decision? I mean, be an atheist, and I can't be an atheist because then people won't like me, and so on, and so you know. But look, they know enough about Rand's work that they are afraid to read it. It's like. Because it's you know the, clearly they know that there's there's enough going on with the work by people that they know who who have read it, and of course this idea that oh the people who read it they're just wackos you know you're right, you know when people try to use that excuse I haven't read it because I, I see people who read it and they just lose they lose their minds that's just absolute BS. There are some people who read objectivist literature and then just decide they're going to go around pronouncing yeah. judgment yeah. on all of their. But they, family but and they had it in them before they got. I mean, they brought that yeah. into. I mean, it's not they didn't learn that from but, objectivism. But I mean, and, and, and that's they just got a, and a little smarter. And that's true, not just of objectivism, but of any ideology. And we've had, I think, a mm-hmm. similar discussion before, where we've said, look, if you have an ideology that really takes morality and judgment seriously, and then people get involved in that. Right. Some people who do it the wrong, you know, th- there's a great lecture uh, by Leonard Peikoff, and it was something like. Um, it's like judging and not being overly moralistic, but it, it, he basically discusses the proper role of judgment, right. where you don't just go around pronouncing judgment for the sake of pronouncing judgment on people. You do it as and when it is important for protecting your values. Like right now, we need to stand for Israel. Absolutely. Because again and again and again and again, Israel is fighting our enemy yes. over there as well. Absolutely. Hamas is our enemy. Civilization's enemy. Now, what do we have to do Israel for Israel? Is do we have to necessarily be sending them a whole bunch of money? Now, given that I guess we're sending money to Hamas, I guess we better send money to Israel. But I think Israel, from what I understand, would prefer that we don't send money to Hamas or Israel, right? Um, that we morally support Israel would be a lot more useful thing. Think about that. We um, fund we fund terrorism. I mean, we do. We do. It's just it's just a thick a sick thing to actually realize and just but we do. Yeah, if you give money to Hamas, you are giving money to their yeah. efforts. If to you give money to the political Palestinian people, it gets in the hands of their enemies. Um, I mean, of Fatah and Hamas and all the other rats. PLO. So, so, so we got we got back to the negative topic again, but I I want to go ahead if people are kind of happy with us closing. Maybe they're not happy with us closing, but we do we do have to go. Um, in on, on my blog at don'tletitgo.com, go over there, by the way, if you want to talk about any of the stuff that we've discussed today. You can also strike up conversations with me through Facebook, both uh, follow me on my own page or go to the Don't Let It Go on Her page there on Facebook where we have discussions during the week. But at my blog at don'tletitgo.com, I have a special treat for you to watch at the end. It has absolutely nothing to do with religion, politics, or any contentious issue. It is about cute dogs 
and a woman who is probably the best in the entire world at her sport running her various dogs at the European Open in an agility competition. So it's uh, almost six minutes worth of somebody who is the most skilled in the entire world kicking some butt with some really cute dogs. Um, So go ahead and take a look at that and enjoy that. And I will talk to you guys next week. Say goodnight, boss. Take care, everyone. Okay, thank you, everyone. Have a good weekend. Talk soon.